right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. Got a conversation coming to you shortly with our friend Shane Lowry. Just won this past week at the BMW PGA. He's actually never been on the podcast before. Was super thrilled to make this happen. We talk about a lot of going-ons, the Ryder Cup. We talked about the Open Championship, of course, his recent win, live, everything. We, we went through it all, so greatly appreciate his time on this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Original Penguin. It is the brand you wear for the good times. I should say... It is the brand I wear at all times. There's almost never a time when I do not wear something Original Penguin throughout the course of the day. Every video you ever see me on the golf course, I am wearing their golf shorts. I wear their hoodies. I wear their jeans. I wear their polos. I wear their long sleeve shirts, sweaters, hoodies. I, I, I've lost track of how many different Original Penguin items that I own. I actually even own their underwear. I cannot say enough great things about it. They've got stylish apparel for your whole closet and your game. In fact, I actually need to clean a lot of Original Penguin stuff out of my closet because I have too much of it. This iconic American brand, born in 1955 as Munsingware and now Original Penguin, worn by masters of leisure and sports, true legends of the game, and now a full lifestyle brand with streetwear, loungewear, golf apparel, tennis collections, even pickleball gear. So you can go to OriginalPenguin.com and use code NLU for 20% off site-wide. Again, OriginalPenguin.com, code NLU for 20% off site-wide. We greatly appreciate their support of NLU over the years. And here is our interview with Shane Lowry. I'd say you, you've you got the reputation, or you're high on the list of golfers I'd love to have a beer with amongst golf friends. What, what do you credit that to? And on this, in the same vein, what? how was this past Sunday night? How, how would I credit that? I suppose I am I am Irish for a start, which people were very stereotypical, like a drink. I do like a drink. I actually probably, I probably don't drink as much as people might think, to be honest. It's not like I'm sitting at home every evening. I... I do like to go and meet my friends and and uh, enjoy myself, but you know I very rarely get to do it these days. I'm I'm living over here in Florida, but when I do get home, I do like to do that. But obviously, the Open was a big thing. When after the Open, I made it no kind of made it pretty clear that we were celebrating pretty hard that week. But I'm I'm all for in this game. It's hard to win, and it's hard to win big tournaments. And when you do it, you need to celebrate it. So that's probably why. And Sunday night was actually. It was it was good. It was it was nice. Uh, we were back at the hotel and and I had a few friends over the tournament last week. There was a few people we kind of got a place in the hotel and and they had some food and drinks for us. A few people came down. Rory called in actually. He was I think he was one of the last to leave. I was in bed before him, so he was maybe still celebrating his FedEx Cup win. Well, I understand there was a little back and forth on that. You were you were I, celebrating. I went with to his house the on, the, on the yeah. Monday after FedEx and we had a few drinks and yeah, he called over so. I was actually in bed at 12 o'clock, believe it or not, because I had a golf day the following day, which was, I was getting picked up at 6.45, so I was up at 6 on Monday morning, so I was I was okay. I only had a few drinks. I wasn't too worse for wear. Well, how has it been, you know, I was shocked to see with how good a golf you've played over the last year. I don't know really where you want to date it back to. Shocked to see this was your first win since the, the 2019 Open. How do you balance how good of golf you've played over this recent stretch without having that, you know, that one huge peak week, you know, what, how big is the difference, I guess, from winning golf to like T3 golf, right? I, I can't imagine that gap is that big. Well, if you just look at it on Sunday, uh, Rory, if Rory's putting 18 is a half an inch left, it's in and, and all of a sudden you're going down a playoff and, and, uh, 
he's obviously going to be favourite to win the playoff. Who, who knows what would have happened? Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's not easy win on tour, and I think some people don't realise that it's it's so hard to win out here. And I think I've given myself quite a few chances over the last year or so. Um, never really been things have not really gone no my way on on the Sunday afternoon when you needed to. And, and maybe I didn't hold the right puts at the right time or, uh, you know, I didn't just go and kind of grab it. And um, All of a sudden you haven't won. And I'd say the last two years have been quite consistent, but consistently like, you know, top 25s, top 20s. Um, and sometimes you start to wonder and you start to go, I'd rather miss cuts and win every now and then than, you know, make every cut. Like I, I haven't missed many cuts in the last couple of years. And like I said, I've been, I've been very rarely actually down the bottom of the leaderboard where you're fighting it out for 50 on Sunday. I've always been kind of there or thereabouts of a half decent week. So you do start to kind of things start to go through your head, but you just have to believe in what you're doing and believe you're doing the right things. And that's what I've done. You get rewarded every now and then. And I got rewarded last Sunday. Well, it's funny. I was watching your uh, Chronicles of a Champion, the uh, the Open uh, Championship videos that they're just amazing. And they're they're super easy to help me prepare for podcasts. But in that, you said, I'll take being streaky and winning big tournaments over being consistently average. And I found that ironic. Now, I wouldn't say you've been consistently average, anything but. But you've been incredibly consistent, really, over the last year without the wins. I just found that quote to be... Uh... Yeah, it's funny because that's... that's... You know, I I've, I don't win very often, but I seem to win big tournaments when I win, which is a good trait to have. So hopefully it stays like that over the next few years and I can knock off another couple of big ones. And, you know, if you were to tell me I'm going to win twice or three times over the next five, six, eight years, but they're going to be big tournaments, I'd probably take it. You know what I mean? It's Look, I, I, I wouldn't swap the Open for 20 wins. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. So, uh, you know, the big tournaments are what I love playing and that's why... It's what I get up for in the morning, to be honest. I, I I love playing golf. I love competing. But the big weeks, I absolutely love them. And I just I love getting to, to the tournament. And I love preparing for them. I absolutely love being in the heat at the moment um, in them as well. I'm going to throw something at you. And I'm not even sure there's a question at the end of it. But it seems like, as it relates to your past year, in my mind, there's golf where you're going to the golf course and you're working on something to improve, in so, you know, improve in some capacity. And then there's golf where you're going to the course like ready to compete, right? Like you got your stuff and, and it's a whole different dynamic, it seems like, to go out there and play competitive golf where you're thinking, there's my target, I'm going to hit it there. There's my target, I'm going to hit it there. Is that something you feel like you've tapped into? And comparing that to times in your career where maybe you've not had as much success, how different is that feeling? So I feel like, I genuinely feel like since I've moved to Florida that I'm ready to compete every week that I'm ready to go every week. I, I play a lot of golf down here. I like playing golf. Actually, I enjoy playing like social golf and going out playing with my friends on the weeks off. And and I think that keeps me sharp. The golf courses down here are great. The weather's perfect. And you're pretty much playing like, you know, similar type conditions to what you'd be playing on tour. So um, I do feel like I'm ready to play every week. I go on tour and, but that's only been for the last few years. And I feel like that's where my consistency has come from. You know, living in Ireland, coming over here to play in the States, you feel, you know, the first few days or maybe the first week of a three-week trip, you're kind of, you know, you're playing way, you're playing your way into the tournaments or you're, you're trying to find a bit of form, you're trying to work on something. But I genuinely feel like, you know, definitely 90% of the time I'm ready to go. I do feel like more so now than I have done in the past that I'm, like the whole start, the whole first four months or three months of this year, I was like working towards Augusta and every round I played and everything I was doing, I wasn't working on anything specifically, but every round I played, I was like, right, that's just, it's a good round. That's one round. Or if, you know, one round towards Augusta or, you know, when I finished second at the Honda and I really felt like I kind of 
should have won that one. I was like, right, maybe the golfing gods will pin me back in a couple of weeks. You know, stuff like that. I, I felt like I was working towards Augusta, but I definitely do feel like I'm ready to play competitively more often now than I have been in the past. And you had a quote this past week. It said, you spend your whole life and your career getting up early every day, working your nuts off to get in these positions. And when you get in these positions, it's quite uncomfortable. I find that, you know, as much as you can train, as much as you can be ready, there's no way to simulate the back nine on Sunday. There's just, there's no way to practice it. It just comes, does it just come from experience, I guess? Yeah, it, it, do, it does. But it, no matter how many times you put yourself there, when you're standing there, like I'm standing there on Sunday over a five iron, and if I hit a bad shot, it's going to be like, I'm going to be miserable. You know what I mean? It's like, it's either <laughs> if I hit a bad shot and make bogey or, you know, get beaten, it's like, it's one of the worst weeks of the year until you kind of get over that and tell yourself, well, I still play good golf. It's a good week. So it's kind of because when you put yourself there, the rewards are so big, but then the bad ones are so bad that it's kind of, there's no in between. And um, I think that's why it's, you know, it's quite nerve wracking and it's so, uh, it means so much at the time. So yeah, it, but it, it does, it is actually like that. You kind of, you know, spend your whole, whole career trying to get there. And when you get there, it's like pretty, like I go back to the open all the time. That was the hardest 24 hours of my life from Saturday evening to Sunday evening. It was like, but I'm working as hard as I ever have to try and get back into that position. So it's, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? But it's, you know, something that I love doing. Well, we could do that now. I was saving kind of open championship for later, but it, it kind of permeates through through everything, any conversation about your career, really. And it's, you know, what is the difference between, you know, what you just went through this past weekend, tight, tight tournament all the way to the end and nursing a enormous lead uh, over the course of however many hours in the tournament? Is it fair to say the tournament you would want to win the most out of any tournament you've ever played? Yeah, I, I always say about Port Rush about the Open and I always say uh, I'm very lucky, I count myself very lucky that I got to, to achieve that, to be honest. If I was to sit down whenever I'm finished, when I'm 50, say, when I'm finished playing the PGA Tour and the European Tour and you're to write down all the tournaments that I've ever played on a sheet of paper and pick one out that you want to win, that would be the one. And the only one after that will be the one that's there in 2025. So it's kind of, it's one of those where... Uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate I got to do it um, and to do it kind of how I did it as well. You know, kind of the last few holes, I was able to enjoy it and everything about it was was incredible. And yeah, it is it's it is one of those that will always be talked about when I'm when people are talking about me and golf. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Take me to the first tee Thursday of that mm -hmm. tournament. What, uh, you know, set the scene for what that week is like for you. I mean, the, again, you had this circled on the calendar, I'm sure, from the moment it was announced, you know, what the family support situation's like, what's the on-the-ground support situation like, what's it like putting the peg in the ground first tee Thursday? Because it didn't go so well for another Irishman that we know. Do you know what? That first tee Thursday was the most nervous I've ever been on the first tee of a tournament my whole life for some reason. I didn't build the tournament up to myself that I, you know, obviously I wanted to go and win. I was hopeful that I go and win, but I didn't, I didn't have it like marked going, right. I want to prepare and do do everything I can to win this tournament. I was more so I want to go there and perform as best I can and get myself. If I get myself in the hunt on Sunday, it'd be brilliant. Um, I had all my, my whole team was there. My family, everybody was there. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I hit, I hit a good tee shot there and I actually I shot four under in the first round and I remember coming off the course and this is obviously how well I was playing at the time I remember coming off the course going oh that wasn't great you know what I mean probably should have shot a better score and and then I led the whole day I remember I led the whole day and we were watching the golf in the afternoon and JB Holmes was out really late and he hold a 
a birdie put on the last to kind of take the lead for me, which I was a bit kind of off, whatever. But yeah, the most nervous I've ever been in the first day of a tournament in my whole life. I think the tee shot in general, though, the tee shot is very, very, it's a smelly tee shot. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> out of bounds both sides. You know, the, the grandstands are surrounding you, so you can't really feel where the wind is coming from. And yeah, it's just a really tricky tee shot. And obviously, Rory didn't get on very well with it. But um, yeah. Well, and that ovation on one kind of lasted almost a little too long for you. It sounded like you wanted to get into your routine. And they, yeah, you know, on they the, I remember, <laughs> I do remember on the Saturday, because I was leading, Going into Saturday, I was playing with JB Holmes and uh, I stood on the first tee and, and they were like, uh, I'm on the tee from Ireland, Shane Lowry. And I was like, and I was ready to hit my shot and the crowd were still like going bananas in the grandstand. And I'm like, I just want to hit the shot and get this out of the way because it is almost one of those shots where you want to just get out of the way. And that Saturday went very well for me. And that was, you know, those last four holes on Saturday was probably the, the reason I won the tournament. I mean, first of all, you don't want to get too amped up to hit an iron off the tee anyways, no. right? You know, you want to get amped up to hit a driver maybe, but is it possible to have – is it – this might be a really dumb question, but is it as fun as it looks to play amazing golf in that scene, right? Are you in the moment – are you able to, like, have fun? We see the smile on your face as it's happening, but are you having as much fun as it looks like, or is there inner turmoil that kind of prevents you from having that much fun? No, you're not having that much fun. You're not. Uh, <laughs> There was a couple of times where I kind of stood back and was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Uh, I remember, like I vividly remember on, on the 17T on Saturday, because we're the final group and you look down and the 17T is up high and, and you look down and it's just like thousands of people everywhere. And I hit my tee shot and I call my caddy back. He's gone walking ahead and I call him back and I'm like, right, Bo, and I'm, I'm seven under for the round. And I call him back. I'm leading by two or three. I'm leading by three at the time. I call him back and I'm like, right, Bo. I'm like, let's enjoy this next 20 minutes because who knows if this will ever happen to us again. And like, it was just incredible. And then I birdied 17 and I hit two good shots at the last and just missed them. I enjoyed that kind of half an hour more nearly than the Sunday. Do you know what I mean? It was one of those where I really let it, uh, let it sink in. But then it's just, it's just pure. The next... The next 12 to 24 hours was just filled with pure fear because I felt it's almost like I spoke about Wentworth and standing over that five iron and it's either, you know, it's either going to be great or awful. Um, that's how I felt. And I said it to my coach on the Sunday morning of the Open. I says, well, there's no, there's no, it's either first or last for me today. There's no second place. If I finish second, I might as well finish last because it's either going to be the best day of my career or it's either going to be the worst. Um because I, I do feel like if I didn't win that tournament from there, that I probably would have taken it very hard. Did you, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler had some comments after he won the Masters of saying how he was in tears Sunday morning, just felt like he was not ready for the moment. Could you, you know, you've been in that exact situation with a different tournament, but can you relate to that? Uh, absolutely. And and that's why I, like I was lying, I was in a good position going out on Sunday at Augusta this year. And I said it to everyone in the house. I said, lads, I've been there. He is not going to be like, He's not going to have slept great. He's going to struggle to eat his breakfast. You know, all that. And, and he came out and said it afterwards. And I think that the one thing that probably helped him and it helped me on that Sunday was he owned up to it. I think if you try and bottle it up and say, no, it's fine. I'll just go out and enjoy it. You know, you're only kidding yourself if you're if you're going to do, if you're saying that. I think if you own up to it, like I owned up to it with my coach. I said, look, I have to go and win this tournament today. There's no other choice. I have no other choice. And Scott, he owned up to it and he said, look, he's... He didn't feel like he was ready, but getting all that out actually helps you. And that's what I like to do when I'm nervous. 
I said it to Bo on Sunday going down 17. I says, I'm absolutely, you know, shit myself here, but this is where I want to be and this is what I want to do. So, how much did your close call in 2016 at Oakmont factor build strength with what is that, you know, that kind of close call, that result, that ultimate, you know, failure, if you will? How did that lead to 2019? What did that do for you? Yeah, look, I, I think it probably had a. I think the one thing I did at Oakmont, um, like a four-shot lead as well, a very difficult golf course. I think if I had have set myself a, a different target at Oakmont, I think I set myself a target in Port Rush. If I can go out and make four or five birdies, I'm going to be very hard to beat because I'm not going to make 10 bogeys. You know, I'm, I'll, still, I'll still make a few pars and whatever. I'll probably shoot around level par. I think if I if I went out to at Oakmont trying to be a bit more aggressive, I think I would have I would have challenged DJ better. Um, and I think that's what helped me. I, I said to myself on a Sunday morning in Port Rush, I says, if I can go out and make a few birdies, I'm going to be very, very hard to beat today. And that's what helped me. And it, look, it obviously did help me. And and I think at the time I took Oakmont very hard because I, I, I said to myself, I don't know if I'll ever get this opportunity to win one of these tournaments again. Do you know what I mean? And thankfully I did. And thankfully I did it. If you were to say at the time, you know, if you were to like, I, I, definitely would have swapped obviously I'd love I'd love the two of them that's I'm greedy so I'd love to have the two of them but um, Port Rush definitely kind of outweighs losing at Oakmont you know what I mean a quick break here to check in with our friends at DraftKings. The NFL's opening weekend was action-packed, and it is just getting started. You can get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And if you want more action, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, just bet on any NFL team to win, and if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code NLU. Only the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's get back to Shane Lowry. Coming off this past week uh, at Wentworth after the flagship event, seems like a good time to take stock in the DP World Tour and its future. You know, you've put your support behind it. What has happened over the last couple of years? You know, it's obviously been extremely damaging. There's no avoiding that. But what do you think about the future of the tour? The decisions that have been made more recently, the increased alignment with the PGA Tour and whatnot. Kind of where we're taking stock of it as of this moment. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think you know, the, it's been a tough few years for the for the DP World Tour with you know COVID, especially you know COVID's been tougher, and obviously you know this other stuff that's going on has been really tougher. And I and I always. You know, when the rumors were going around about live and, and stuff like that, I, I actually always feared for the for the European tour and, and, and I wondered what was going to happen, what they were going to do. Um personally I was happy to see them align with the PGA tour. I think it's good for it's good for me, you know, selfishly, but I think it's good for, for golf as well. I think um you know, I, I do think with the support of the PGA tour, the DP World Tour can become stronger and it can look after the players better. And I think it is going to do that. I think the the issues that players might have is that you know live golf is just throwing around so much money that people feel like that the dp world tour should have taken that or maybe could have taken that and, and had that money there but but that's too quick of a fix when you're talking about golf in general like and and like i was in that i was in the meeting say with 
with all the lads in, in Delaware and I was just like I'm like conscious I'm like lads we need to make sure we're doing what's right for golf not what's right for us because we're not always going to be there but golf is and I do feel like what the DP World Tour and what the PGA Tour have done over the last year and what we'll um, will do going forward is better for the game of golf than anything else and and that's that's how I feel about the whole thing I just want I'm I'm very lucky to have the life I have through golf and through you know DP World Tour, PGA Tour, whatever. Um, but it's not my God-given right to go and go off and and be part of something that could actually you know bury those tours. It's it's just up to me to kind of hold my place there and pass it on to someone else when it, when it's my time to to kind of go off and sail off into the sunset. So um, yeah, but I do I do think hopefully what's going on now will strengthen the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour and hopefully golf in general can become better going forward. A lot of ways I can go with that. We'll stick with the... I want you to make the pitch. You're a top-level player on the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Let's say I'm a mid-level, mid-tier player on the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour. Maybe that's a separate conversation for each of those, but I'm a mid-tier player and I'm concerned about the, the direction of things. So the fact that the top players all met... And we're all just, you know, coming up with this. I'm concerned right now. What would you say to me um, to maybe alleviate some of those concerns or make the pitch to me that the direction going forward is the best way? With the the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour? Well, you tell me where to start. You know, let, let's start with DP World Tour coming off Wentworth. Well, if you look at the the DP World Tour, they're going to be playing for more money in the next five years than they, than they ever have. Now, I know they're not going to be playing for $25 million every week, which they would like to be playing for. But... Like we that's all That's also not the market rate, right? That's that's yeah, exactly. Screw, that's, that's just screw, it's, yeah. <laughs> it has like like you know this thing of of golfers been feeling like they're worth hundred million dollar contracts. You know, we're we're not the NFL at the end of the day. We're not the NBA. In my opinion, you know, we we are a smaller sport than those, and we do need to be very careful that I hate I I, I hate at the minute the way how divisive golf is. To be honest, and I think if we divide our top players golf could be in trouble so that's what i'm worried about you know i'm not i'm not worried about anything else other than the sport in general i'm not you know i'm not worried about myself or you know i i'm very fortunate that i've done well out of the game and i'm okay i'm just worried about the sport and i just hope it's okay and what what would i say to the to the boys on the dp world tour you know at the end of the day like there's no doubt about it we, we all play and I, I grew up playing you know in europe and my main goal was to get to the PGA Tour and to play in the majors and play in the big tournaments. But I always go back and support the DP World Tour when I can. And I think this thing, you know, there's 10 players going to get the card from the DP World Tour for America. I think that's incredible. I think that's huge for them. And this is, I played with a, I played with a kid the other day. I played with Matthew Jordan the other day. You know, he's 26. I'm like, you know, the next 20 years or the next 10 years, I'm like, you've got a great opportunity to get yourself to the PGA Tour. And I'm not saying, you know, the, the argument that that, the, that some players have is it's going to take the top players away from the DP World Tour. But it's actually, it's just going to make them better. And then when we come back, we're going to be, we're going to have better players coming back and playing our big tournaments. And I, I, I think, I, I think personally what they're doing is good. But, you know, everyone has their own opinion. That's the thing. And, and like, uh, I'm not like I sat in that meeting. I didn't give too much of an opinion because I'm like, you know, Tiger Woods is sitting there, Rory McIlroy <laughs> sitting there. I'm like, I'll let those boys, those boys, they're the people that deserve to have a, an opinion on this. They've been at the top of the game for a long, long time. And, and uh, yeah, we just, 
we'll have to see how it goes. But I do, I do, I am confident it's going in the right direction. I am confident. And I, I try to say that to the players and I am confident that they're going to be playing a better tour for better money. And, you know, hopefully that is the case. That's where I think a starting point of, hey, the status quo, what has been going on in the past, yeah. is not the other option, right? It's yeah, exactly. Not, yeah. It's not on either yeah. tour, really. So, one, we have to evolve. And I'm saying we in terms of if you know if I was a DP World Tour member, yeah. we have to evolve is one way at aligning with PGA Tour. But you have to reap the benefits of that alignment, which I, in my understanding and my, uh, my question is, elevating events that are co-sanctioned amongst the yeah. DP World Tour and the PGA Tour seems to be a great way to do that. The Scottish Open, I thought, was a great success. I would love to see the Irish Open fall in that same vein. I would love to see BMW PGA. I, I don't pretend to know all the inner workings of all that stuff, but that seems like the best path forward to satisfying the members of the DP World Tour is to say to, to make clear what the benefits are, the possibility of qualifying for those elevated events or getting into them in some way, uh, and knowing that they have a, a path to the PGA Tour seems to be the pitch. Is that a fair way of summarizing it? Yeah, I do think so. I do think there is a, there is a chance that you know down the line some of our bigger events in Europe will become co-sanctioned and will be you know maybe a part of the elevated events. Obviously, look, selfishly speaking, for me that would be great. Yeah. I'd like to see that. But you know, I, like I said, I do want what's right for golf. But I do think you know. If you want to become the best in the world, you have to, or if you want to become one of the best in the world, you have to play against the best in the world. And I think this alignment with the PGA Tour has given our players in Europe more opportunity to play against the best players in the world. And I think if you do that, it's only good for the game and it's going to create, you know, bigger stars in different countries all around the globe. And I think that's, that's what we want. Well, I, I got to admit, if I look back at you know your comments in the past and, and the comments of other players in the past, anyone that has uttered the phrase, I'm not a politician, or we're just trying to grow the game, <laughs> has ended up at live, right? And you are one that has not, and I don't believe that's currently on the table for you, but... I want to know what, you know, going back, what what has been your decision-making process or the factors going into your decision to make, you know, end up where you are and how that, you know, I want to compare that. You can't speak for other players, but compare that to other players. I just want to know what, what works for you. What was your decision to be made? I'll, uh, I'll give you a couple of stories. I, I've always said I don't play the game for money. I never have. And I feel like that's why I, I didn't even, you know, entertain it, to be honest. Um I, I've said to a couple of players that I've gone to live, I said, why do you play the game? If you play the game for money, maybe you should probably do it. Yeah. If if you play the game for trophies, you shouldn't. Like I stood there on the 18 green on Sunday and I held that trophy and I looked at the names and it's like the who's who of European golf. And I'm like, this is incredible that my name gets to go on that. I don't care how much money I won. And in fact, I was at, we had a few drinks on Sunday night and it was like 11 o'clock and somebody says to me, how much did you win today? And I'm like, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> and they're like, no way. Like they wouldn't believe me, and I'm like, I genuinely have no idea. And I had to, I opened my phone because I hadn't been on my phone. I opened my phone and had to go to the text that I got from the European Tour to see how much I won. And that's kind of how that's why I play the game. And and as well as that, as you know, I've got good solid people around me. My wife, my wife had a big part, not a big part to playing it because it was never much of a thought in my head. But she said to me, she said, Shane, all that money isn't going to make you happy. What's going to make you happy is competing at the highest level, and that's. That's the reason I've never, and and not the reason I've never gone because the reason I haven't even contemplated. I don't think it's good for the game, and that's that's why it's it's never been a, a thought process. Yeah, I think it's a different, you know. One of my 
reasons why I didn't think live would work was how current top level professional golfers are well compensated, right? If that, if you'd opened up your phone and it had said you want a hundred grand for winning one of the biggest events and somebody else was offering up 4 million to win one, it might be a different decision-making process, right? If you guys were not making a very, very good living, I think it would be a different decision-making process. And I, I want to have this conversation. You kind of laugh when I, when I mentioned that I want uh, the politician thing, I want to have this conversation with a player, right? Because I think I, I myself was one of them that there was some backlash to that comment, I guess. And one, do you regret saying that or that kind of angle of it? Or do you understand why people had uh, a different viewpoint of that, if you will? Uh, I absolutely understand. And when I said it, I was like, why did I say that? You know, it was one of those <laughs> where wrong thing to say. Yeah, look, I, uh, but the thing is, I went, I, I played, I played the Saudi International for the last three years. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I'd be very hypocrit- hypocritical if I sat here and said it's, it's about where the money's coming from. I just think it's bad for the game. And that's kind of, that's, that's how I feel about it. It's, uh, will I go back and play the Saudi International next year? No, but I do think that this is bad for the game because I, I think it's very divisive. And I think we would love to be going out and playing the big tournaments. And we, I'd love if all the top players were there, you know, your DJs, Brooks, Bryson's, you know, I'd love if, if we were all still playing against each other, but we're not. And that's, the, and that's, you know, the reason is because I live. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's good for the game. No, I think that is an interesting conversation, right? Because it, you know, th- there's been many, many, many takes about this whole thing. One of them is, hey, the PGA Tour has all these sponsors that do business in Saudi Arabia, right? Or, you know, the European Tour held up an event in Saudi Arabia. And I think it, to your exact point there, there is a large, large, large difference in my view as well of playing one event in Saudi Arabia, which I would disagree with a lot of people that choose to play it. And other people are, are welcome to, you know, agree with that or whatever. And totally, com- completely disrupting the infrastructure of golf that is set up quite well, right? And and for se- rather selfish reasons, reasons, guys that are leaving are getting a better deal out of this than the world that they're leaving behind. And I just I, I find that an interesting conversation to have with someone like yourself, who you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting question. What af- what level of uh, statement is it politically for players to go play in a specific tournament? And it's not something that a lot of players necessarily think of critically week to week. And what should they? And I think that's one thing to come out of it. There's no clean answer to that, you know. Yeah, but the reason yeah the reason I went to play is I just won the Open. Yeah. In 2019. I signed a deal to go play there for three years when it was a European tour event. Yeah. I had Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and Saudi Arabia. They're all beside each other. And I used to play the three of those at the start of the year and then come back and play in America. And, and for me at the time, maybe I was wrong to think it, but I thought, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. And there's no doubt about it. I'd say I don't play the game for money, but it was I was getting well looked after for going there. Do you know what I mean? And that that's uh, that's the reason I went. But along that, because it was a European tour event as well. Yeah. And it just felt like it was, you know, especially, you know, in a Ryder Cup year or stuff like that, you're going, you're picking up points, doing stuff like that. And, you know, maybe I, I misjudged the room when I did that. And I, I definitely felt that this year when I was going there that, you know, I was, you know, not one of the better like golfers in the world at the time. But um, I had to fulfill my contract and I went. I am one of the players that doesn't think that live should be going. And, yeah, I, I don't I don't like the idea. So, yeah. That makes total sense to me. It really does. I mean, again, the scale of those decisions, I think, is. Uh, well, I appreciate you welcoming welcoming questions on that because I know it's not the. It's not been. It's know, a fun tough, thing. Look, yeah. it's, it's a tough. It's a tough subject for me to talk on because I've never been outspoken on that, and until last week when I got asked about it, um, and people ask me why have you never been outspoken, I'm like, nobody asked me about it because I'm not in front of the media all the time. 
the reason Rory's very outspoken now is because every day he plays around the golf, he's asked about it. Yeah. And I can imagine how difficult it is for him. Was it as awkward as you were expecting it to be among some of the live players at last week at the BMW PGA? It was, yeah. It, <laughs> I, I felt it, I felt it was, to be honest. Um, I don't know about other people. Very good friends or, you know, lads that lads that I've been friendly with for a long time and lads that I've become quite close with. I don't think it's going to tarnish our friendship, but I just won't see them. You know, I said to GMAC last week, I'm just not going to see you. I might see you once or twice a year, so we won't hang out much at all. That's kind of, that's the way it is. And then you kind of, when you're not hanging out with someone, you don't, you know, you don't stay very friendly with them or become very, or as close. So yeah, I, I thought it was very awkward. I personally didn't like seeing a couple of the players there um, that were there. There wasn't too many, like, you know, I, I said at the start of the week, there was, there was the, the older stalwarts of the European tour that have been around for a long, long time. I kind of didn't mind them being there, but then I kind of was like, oh, maybe they shouldn't be there. If I was one of those players that went to live, I wouldn't have showed up. There's not a chance I would have been there. It would have been too uncomfortable for me. But they were there and it was awkward and it was pretty awkward at times, to be honest. Well, because we've been making the point for a long time as to exactly why these players should not be allowed in these events, right? Because to a lot of people on the surface level, like, hey, do you want... Dustin Johnson in your PGA Tour event, like if you're a sponsor, the answer to that is yes, right? Uh, in a, on, a, on an isolated basis, right? But grand scheme-wise, can you help explain, if you believe this, why that cannot that shouldn't necessarily be the case or why, you know, why the infrastructure of pro golf in terms of grouping your marketing and media rights, why it makes sense for those players to kind of be on one of these, uh, be on Live or be DP World Tour slash PGA Tour? Yeah, I get what you're saying. If, 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 like there's no doubt those players playing the event strengthens the field Correct. and makes it makes the field better. But I feel like their actions over the last few months have their actions going to live. They they knew what was going to happen with live and it was going to be disruptive and it was going to be divisive and it was going to be all these things and and for them to think that they can just kind of come back and play whenever they want and you know they're going to be playing 14 live events next year. And they're going to have their dates that might be opposite some of our bigger events, and then they won't be able to play those. I just don't think, I don't think they thought it through properly. The fact that they thought they were going to be allowed to play and it was going to be all very easy. So yeah, I, I you know, they're, they're they're not going to be allowed to play in the PGA Tour, but they're probably still going to be allowed to play in Europe for the, for the next while. I think, I think maybe there's a court case at some stage to see if they can play, and maybe that's one of the reasons they all showed up last week to show that they want to play, and maybe they had to come and play. And um, for, for that reason, but I don't know. Well, it just goes to, again, go back to your chronicles of champion of a champion and hearing you talk about falling in love with the game and then hearing about like talking about court cases, about playing tournaments. And I just can't think of like a, how more, you know, a, a more opposite ends of the spectrum of like what I love about golf and like guys suing their way to get into professional golf events. Like they're really, really flirting with the interest of fans, right, of, of why people tune in to watch golf and why people tune in to watch sport. I mean, it's it's to be entertained and it's to be that question mark of caring about what happens down the back nine of Portrush. Like, you can't replicate that. You can't fake that anywhere, right? And stretching out the golf world and uh, in, in this way, I personally just don't believe it's a good path towards... Uh, so I feel like how I feel with golf is like... Even though we're like me and you, we're in golf, like we're 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 dived like well into golf, and, and we love the game. And there's a lot of people that love the game, but in in the grand scheme of things, golf is actually a small sport. Yes, it's not that big of a sport. We're very lucky 
that corporate America and corporate everyone in corporate around the world loves golf and that's why we have such great sponsors and that's why we play for a lot of money but I do feel like this is causing a division in the game and if that does that it's going to piss people off people are going to stop watching us you know people are I think the amounts of money that have been thrown around are absolutely disgusting at the minute even even I feel like you know I feel like all people talk about is money now I feel like the people don't talk about what you win. I, I feel like the PGA Tour for 10 years have tried to get money out of, you know, we play for points now in the FedEx Cup. Whereas then even, you know, you go to watch the Tour, I watched the Tour Championship, all the commentators talked about was how much money they were going to win. And I was like, well, you just talk about the trophy or the title they're going to win or, you know, how many times Tiger has won it. You know, talk about going down the stretch, Rory's going to surpass Tiger if he wins this or, you know, stuff like that. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think it's just disgusting amounts of money that we're talking about, to be honest. It's a turnoff for a lot of fans, I know. And it yeah. felt like and this you year. Know, the, yeah. the, general, the general, you know, Joe Soap, that, you know, a, a guy that works his nuts off to make 50 grand a year and, and you know, has to struggle maybe even to pay his membership at his golf club and loves the game so much, this is probably pissing him off more than anyone. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I think it, you know, this year felt like with all the other money being thrown around at golf, it was maybe time the tour decided it was time for us to emphasize, hey, how how well we are playing. We we're paying your players a, a lot of money, right? It's not this is yeah. not a bad living there, but I I I agree it's not why people root for certain players is for their for their bank accounts. But would yeah. you say the, you know, you were in the room in Delaware as you mentioned, one player that was in the room so far has left for live, but uh, of the remaining other 22 guys, how good do you feel about the bleeding has stopped? That they're, they're not going to lose a lot more of those guys. It seems like the consensus out of that meeting was unanimous and agreeing on the path forward. Neiman has already left since then, obviously left since then. But what is your sense on, has the bleeding stopped, if you will, amongst top players? Yeah, I, I would think, uh, I'd be fairly confident that the rest of the guys in that room are okay now. And that's what makes me confident in the PGA Tour, to be honest. Because I think, those 20 players are definitely, you know, seven or eight of, out of those 20 players are the bones of the PGA Tour. And as long as they're playing the PGA Tour, I think it will be it will be the best tour. I do think, though, we, we came to one conclusion in that meeting, and we all know that we, we do need to play against each other more often and create a better spectacle because at the end of the day, we're in the entertainment business and we want to make sure that we're entertaining uh, the public and and uh, we're we're putting on a good you know good TV on a, on a Sunday afternoon, no matter what tournament it be in. So I think that was kind of that was one good thing that came out of that meeting, and I think that's what's going to be great for golf going forward. I think that we've got to do something about that demographic too, because that 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 picture is not getting any uh any it's got to get a lot younger in terms of who's watching golf. It seems like too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we need to you know, you know maybe. Over the last twenty years, golf hasn't really changed that much. Maybe we we need to change it a little bit, and maybe live what live has done is making us change it for the better. But I'll still sit here and and I, I don't still don't think that. Um, I know there's been certain quotes and certain comments that we should thank the live players for what they've done for us, but I, I still don't believe that. Like the thing is with me, right? So I I go play my tournaments, I try and do my best, and I go home. And I'm very fortunate to have the life I have, and that's that's how I feel about it. Like I've never been, I've never been one of those players. Like I've not been one of those players that stand there and go, "We should be playing for twenty million a week. We should be doing this. The PGA Tour should be giving us this." I have a life that I thought I never would have, to be honest. From the PGA Tour, and I am. And you might think 
people might listen to this and think I'm bullshitting you, but I actually I am not. And I've I've never been one to sit around and say this is what the PGA Tour should and shouldn't be doing. I'm very happy with what I have. Um I love golf the way it is. I love the PGA Tour and the European Tour the way they are. And I am actually a bit of a like a traditionalist when it comes to golf and I do love the older events and I do love all the history with it and and I want to win those events and that's kind of why I play and everything else that comes with it is kind of secondary for me. So I, I don't really have an opinion on any of that. Well, I, I got to say, I, I do blame you a little bit in terms of how I interpreted how things would play out with Liv because your comments about the Ryder Cup last year just hit me so deeply. Like it helped shape what I understood professional golf to be. Like you guys play for a lot of money. Money's important, but the week you weren't being paid was you, what you called the best week you had in golf. And I guess I naively thought that sentiment would have been shared by a lot more players than it has, apparently, because that that just made me super happy to hear that be your reaction. In a week where you guys had a, a very poor week as a team and the result was not what you wanted, you had the time of your life playing it. And uh, I don't know, that was that was heartwarming to me. And I guess I, I, that's why that was one of the reasons why I honestly thought this thing would not get off the ground. But I don't know if you could speak to that week in terms of why you walked off that, walked away from that event just feeling that warm and fuzzy. It's amazing, isn't it? Because we got absolutely pumped. And like, uh, I went away thinking no matter what happens for the rest of my career, I want to be involved in those. I, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll make the coffee. I'll do, I'll do anything as long as I'm there and trying to help Europe win. I, I want to be there. And it was just the most incredible week to, to be there kind of fighting for your, your team and your tour and, and all that and, and trying to win points and, playing against such a good American team and kind of very kind of hostile crowd. But I loved it. I loved doing that. And I, I, I just, I loved every bit of it. And, and to be honest, I, I didn't think, I didn't know what to expect when I was going there because I'd never been there, been to one or played in one. And I was definitely different than I thought I'd be. I was a bit more animated than I thought I'd be. I was a bit more hope for it than I thought I'd be. And, and to be honest, I was a lot calmer than I thought I'd be. I, I felt like I really, really kind of, I kind of owned up to it and I felt like I played well. Look, I only won one out of three points, but it was, yeah, one of the best weeks of my career. It was probably, the, it was definitely, it was the most memorable week of my career. It actually was just the, the sitting around the team room every night with everyone was just, that was one of the best parts of it and getting to know everyone pretty well. And yeah, it was one of those weeks where I'll always remember. And it makes me just want to be there next time. Tell the story of, uh, I don't know which night in the team room it is, but when, when the introductions are made of the rookies added to the team, right? I, I heard some details of the, the video that plays and kind of the, the moment that it becomes when you guys got your number, right? The, of the which number player you were in European Ryder Cup history. I wonder if you could tell that story. Forrick went with, a, I suppose every captain tries to do their bit and tries to do a different thing. And, and he went with, I think it was to 164 or 165. I was 163 anyway. When you realise how few people have actually played Ryder Cup for Europe, you kind of start to it starts to you start to feel like wow, I'm kind of this is a pretty big deal. I knew it was a big deal, but a pretty big deal. Um, just to be in the team room, and I looked around the team room, and obviously certain players that were there, you know. But I looked around the team room, it was like Sergio, Lee, Pulse, you know, Rory's there, John Ram. I'm like, this is the who's who of ever been European golf, and and I'm here, and I'm about to go out and kind of do a battle with them. I've watched Ryder Cups over the years and, and it was quite a surreal moment for me and it was, it was pretty cool. And that's one of those, uh, one of those evenings that you kind of remember. And one of those evenings that, you know, you go back and I'm like, you know, cause you're in the team room with the lads and all the women are downstairs having dinner and you kind of come down and 
talking to my wife about it. I'm like a little kid at Christmas and stuff like that. It's it it is pretty cool and it's it's quite a surreal, surreal experience. Well, it got a little you got a little uh, a little chippy at times too. It seems like with, uh, with with there was some back and forth on on concessions and uh, some some gestures made on links of putts that were forced to be forced to be uh, made throughout that. I wonder if you could kind of tell what inspired. Oh some yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I didn't get too chirpy. The Americans get very chirpy. Yeah, there JT, we go. There we go. JT, we, we, we'll see a bit of uh, we'll see a bit of that next week in the President's Cup. JT likes to get very chirpy. <laughs> you know, I know JT very well, and I get on with him. Uh, he gets very chirpy when it comes to Ryder Cup and President's Cup. And I seen him on one hole. I seen a picture of him actually. I was in. I wasn't playing in the morning. It was Saturday morning, and and I wasn't playing in the morning. And I seen a picture of him uh, doing that with the putter length, and it was like. It wasn't, and his wasn't a gimme. Like it wasn't a gimme, and I had about a foot and a half put on the first against Tony and and Harris English on the Saturday afternoon, and it was definitely a gimme. <laughs> and they didn't give it to me, and I did it just like taking the piss. And then I did it on, uh, I did it on the night JT was standing at the back of the ninth hole, and I had like a three or four footer that definitely wasn't a gimme, but I knocked it in, and I kind of did it, and I looked at JT and pointed at him, and I, I just started laughing. But Bryson did it as well. Bryson's putter is about six feet long, so like I don't know why he was doing it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah. Look, there's emotions run high, and and it's it's funny that uh, you know stuff you do stuff that week that you never think you do, but um, it's it is all it's very intense, but it's all just a bit of fun at the yeah. end of the day, and it's all it's all for like it's it's great for the game. It's it's one of the most special weeks ever. Like it's it really is, and and. Uh, like I'll be watching the Presidents Cup next week, you know it's still it's still pretty big, um, but it's not the Ryder Cup, is it? It's uh, it's one of those. The the one thing I the one be in my bonnet I have about the Presidents Cup is they get they get a practice match every year for the Ryder Cup, so uh, yeah, it's something that um, I feel like they have an edge on us with that. But um, I think we'll have a good team next year. I do, you know, people are probably already writing us off, but I think if you look at the 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 core of our team is going to be very strong. And I think we get a few of those, uh, you know, good European young players through and start to breed them. I think we'll be, we'll be quite strong on Rome. I don't know. You can, I don't know if you can win six straight, uh, six straight matches at home and still play, try to play the underdog card. I'm not going to let you do that. All right. We're, it's the Americans are going to be the underdog. I mean, it may not be that on paper, but they better feel like the underdog when they come over there. But how far back do you and Rory go? Um, you know, I was watching some highlights. You're oh nine, uh, you winning the Irish Open as an amateur. He's there on the 18th green spraying you in champagne. I was just curious kind of where your guys' origin story is. We played a bit of golf together when we were younger. But like Rory, even though he's younger than me, he's two years younger than me, he was always a, a step ahead of me um, when it came to golf. And he was always like, you know, if I was playing under 18s, he was playing under 20s. And he was always playing men's golf before I was. But then we played, like in 2007, we played on the same team. We won the European Championship, the team championships, which was a big deal. Um, and then he obviously turned pro after that. And I turned pro then in 2009, won the Irish Open. He was there. I played a practice round with him that week. Knew him very well. I wouldn't have known him very well. And then, you know, we got on. I got on tour, but I was playing mainly in Europe. He was playing a bit more in America. So I wouldn't have seen him that much. And then I think over the last few years we've definitely you know we've grown closer than we than we ever have been. Um, I live down here, like I live ten minutes from him. Uh, our wives are very good friends. We've got kids similar age, 
So it kind of just all has worked out that we're, you know, and we do hang out a bit and we play practice rounds together and we, we see each other and we, I play, I play quite a bit of them at the Bears Club actually. And there's no doubt about it. And I always say it, if you want to become a better golfer, you have to play golf with better, better players. And, and it's definitely helped me over the years playing golf with him because he goes to the Bears Club on a Tuesday afternoon. If you don't shoot eight under, you're losing the money. So it's kind of, it's one of those. And, uh, yeah, we we definitely definitely over the last four to five years we've we've grown closer than than we ever have been and and it's a look it's it's great for me to have one of the one of the best players in the world and one of the greatest players over the last ten years as one of my good friends and somebody who I can I can talk to as well. Do you ever get this question about? I, I still refuse to believe Bo, your caddy, is not your dad. He just looks like you advanced, you know, however many years. Do you ever get that? everybody jokes about it on Twitter? About everybody it. says it. Okay, good. everybody says okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Bo doesn't like it because he's only he's already he's fourteen years. He would have had to have me at a young age, even though he, he's a, he's not quite fifty, but he looks sixty. <laughs> he looks like he'll look the same age though when he is actually sixty. I, I know. I yeah, yeah, actually yeah. Age. Can you tell the only story I'm going to ask you to repeat that I heard was from the Chronicles of a Champion? Your story of of letting a previous caddy go and how uh, how much that affected you and and when that was. I wonder if you could tell that story. I've only ever had two caddies in my career. Bows I've had for the last four years, and then Dermot before that Dermot Burn. Um, so I got after about five weeks on tour, I realized I needed a caddy, uh, somebody experienced, and and Dermot he wasn't available. He actually left one of the other Irish players to come work for me. G Max Caddy Ken asked him and he and he came anyways. Um he showed me a lot. Uh, I learned a lot from him, showed me the ropes. Then, you know, we had spent nine years together, we'd been successful together. He was like uh, like a, a best friend or a big brother to me. And and it was one of those where because I got so close to him, I probably kept him on for a year or two longer than I probably should have. Um and maybe a change would have helped. And then yeah, at the at the opening Carnoustie, I shot a couple over, three over the first day, and we'd a bit of a, we'd a bit of an argument back and forth, and I was like, look, I just can't do this anymore. This is, has been going on too long, and I was under a lot of pressure as well. I was losing my PGA Tour card, and it was the first year that I had to keep it and stuff like that, and we ended up finishing it. But you know, we're still on good terms. He actually caddies for Leona Guire now, um, and he's doing quite well with her, and definitely. You know, without giving him too much credit, it's definitely a part of the reason I think Leona's uh, making her way up the the world of golf. You know, in the women's game, he's he's a great caddy, a great person, and uh, you know, I'm sure he's doing a great job for her. So yeah, it was it was just hard. And to be honest, you know, I after Port Rush, it was he was the one person I felt sorry for. I felt like you know it would have been great if he was there as well, but obviously you couldn't have the you can't have the two of them. And then it was great for Bo from being from there. And I swore after that that I'd never become close to a caddy ever again. But sure, lo and behold, I get on very well with Bo and, you know, we're very, we get on, we're friendly and we meet, you know, all the time and stuff like that. So, well, I think what spoke to that story, especially for me, was you, after it happened, you said you got back in the car and you started crying, you just cried. I started crying. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, after the round, I was just, yeah, I was, I was in tears. Golf was tough at the time. And that's why I talked to you, you know, we talk about celebrating and enjoying the good times there's been plenty of times where I've been crying in locker rooms or in the car in the car park and stuff like that. So it was just hard for me to do. It was like, you know, it's like, it's like breaking up with a long-term girlfriend. It's it's like one of those where it's just hard to do stuff like that. So hmm. favorite golf course in Ireland. People are going to expect me to say Port Rush. Yeah. 
I'm going to give you two because I'm going to give you my favorite links course and my favorite. So my favorite links course, Port Marna. And my favorite course to go and play is Adair Manor. Okay. Yeah, it's Adair Manor. What JP's done there is incredible. Um, I don't know if you've seen it at the Pro-Am. Have you been there? Not been to the Pro-Am, but we, we went and played there in 2019. You played? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So like it's it's incredible. It's the one place that I like I my house is two hours away from it and you know, I'll happily get into my car a couple of times a week and go drive down and go play. The fact that it's in Ireland's incredible. The whole place is yeah. So that's it's probably my favourite place. One of my favourite places in the world to just go and play golf. Especially, you know, with my friends. I love playing golf with my friends. That that's kinda up there with it. It's like a it's like a social experiment of what would you how would you play if every lie you had was perfect? You're never gonna have yeah, a bad I know, lie it is, out isn't there, it? even in the it's, rough. But yeah, it's unreal. It's not easy though. That somehow it's not easy. That that Ryder Cup's gonna be fantastic. That back nine is really special. Favorite off the beaten track, and you can define that any way you want, but off the beaten track Irish course. A little under the radar, no Bally Bunyan, no Tralee, none of that. Just a little bit next tier, sneaky, really good Irish golf course. You know where I, I, I did, I actually didn't play the course, but I was there a few weeks ago and I did like a, a beat the pro. I was in a golf there for one of my sponsors, Dukes. Yeah. Have you heard of Dukes oh, golf I've been course? There. I've been there, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fantastic. Incredible. Oh. And I, it was a beautiful day when I was there and the views and everything about it, but it looks incredible. Um, And I want to get back and play there at some stage. So that's kind of, but off the beaten track, actually, probably the best course in Ireland, off the beaten track that would get a few visitors, but not that many be in a scroll. Yeah. And it's, yeah. have you been to Karn? Yeah, oh, I've been there as well. That's, that's yeah, my that's baby. Cool well, that's yeah. the one for yeah. me. That and yeah, Sligo yeah, yeah. are just like so yeah. so out of this world. So far away, though. It's it so is. far away. <laughs> it is. It's, it's out like, there. Yeah. The road structure yeah. out there is not that well set up. Next stop Next stop is New York. Yeah, pretty much. So It's like, yeah. All right. Well, Shane, I know you've had a busy week coming off the win uh, and everything. Greatly appreciate you spending some time with us and sharing some perspective on some fun things and some not so fun things, but greatly appreciate your openness on that and uh, be happy to have you back anytime. Cool. Thank you very much. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect a 